Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good morning, Bethel Atlanta. Happy Mother's Day. It's so good to be together this morning. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Matthew and Katie Hale literally the funniest people on planet earth. And have you guys just been loving those announcements every week? I cannot breathe from the laughter. So just lift up a toast with your cup of coffee that I I do not have, but you have. And uh, let's just thank them for bringing heaven to the earth in the form of laughter because your humor is everything and it's saving our lives on Sundays. So thank you guys. And, um, I'm excited to be together today. We're gonna look at a few passages. Uh, Lauren sent me a text earlier this week just requesting that I pray a blessing over the mothers. So we will get there at the end and that will be my great honor. So first I just wanted to share a little verse in Hebrews I found this week that I have just looked at over and over that just really touched my heart. And it's Hebrews 1 starting in verse one, and it says, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. (laughs) And I mean, I, I have just been looking at, he chose to unveil everything to us. He now speaks openly to us. Nothing is hidden in the language of a son. So everything the father had wanted to say for generations had its crescendo moment in the unveiling of Jesus, that we would learn the way the Father thinks through the language of a son, that we would learn what moves the heart of our God through the language of a son, the perfect son of God, that we would learn uh, the nature of our God through the nature of a son. And it says, the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mere image. So, you know, when we pour through the gospels and we watch the way Jesus interacted with people, we, we receive the words he said, um, our, our whole mirror, our entire lens is to be, he's showing us what it looks like to be a son, to feel like a son, to think like a son, to live like a son. And uh, I wanna read some passages today and I just want to receive them in, in that spirit that everything God wanted to say, he said in Jesus and is still speaking through Jesus. So we're gonna look um, at a few parables uh, this morning in Luke 15, if you wanna turn there. And uh, you know, as I was thinking Uh, and just leaning into what to share this morning, one of the things I was thinking about mothers is mothers find things. And most, most of the things they find are their children or they find the things their children need, like don't have any clean underwear, mother helps with that. 
can't find my pencil. Mother helps with that. But more than anything, mothers are constantly aware of where our children are, who's in the room, who's not in the room. And, you know, I can't even tell you the amount of times I've counted to four in my life. I have four girls, and I, I basically have spent decades of my life not decades yet, because my oldest is 14, but we're getting close, uh, to counting to four. Okay, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. <laughs> you know, my girls laugh, like, why am, I, why am I learning algebra? When am I ever gonna use this? And I just think, I use math every day, but it mostly is just boiled down to being able to count to four. So I just want to thank my kindergarten teacher, I am still using every day of my life what you taught me. One, two, three, four. And where did we get that? That that ability to see our kids, that ability to be aware of our kids so uniquely. Um, It comes from the nature of the Father, that we have been created in his image. So everything we're naturally manifesting on the earth is because we've been designed inside of him, from him, and because of him. And in Luke 15, Jesus basically lays out three parables about um, how he is the God who looks for us. And in verse one, it says, uh, many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them, welcomes them all to come to him. And in response, Jesus gave them this illustration. So basically, um, sinners, unclean people were craving being near Jesus and hearing what Jesus had to say. And, you know, when you look at the commentaries, in Jesus's day, the religious basically broke the entire human race into two categories. You're either righteous or you're unclean. And they even held the belief that if you were unclean, you weren't even worthy to hear the teaching of the law. So they were, they, they were so offended that Jesus was allowing sinners to listen to his message. He was allowing uh, tax collectors, prostitutes to listen to what he had to say. He was welcoming them into his space, into his presence. And it was offending the religious spirit of the day. And I think of the story when Jesus went to lunch at Simon's house. And Simon um, was so offended because he allowed a prostitute to burst through the door, interrupt the lunch, and begin wiping his feet with her tears. And Simon was dumbfounded at how could Jesus let a prostitute touch him, let alone let her be in the room. And what Simon didn't realize and what the religious spirit cannot see is that Jesus was not allowing a prostitute to touch him. Jesus was allowing the beloved daughter of the father, the cherished one of the king, the one he came to give his life to save. He was letting that girl touch him. 
And this parable is reinforcing why he did what he did. That when the religious could only see sinners, they could only see unclean people, he taught them through three parables that he doesn't see what they see. And so he, he gave them this response to their blindness by saying, there once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs. But one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders, carrying it back with cheerful delight. And returning home, he called all of his friends together and said, let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. So basically he's saying, I don't see sinners, I see my lambs. And in a crowd of 100, this, this God of ours, because he speaks with the language of a son, is saying, I always see the one. I know who's in the room and I know who's not in the room. And he left the 99 to find the one. And, you know, the gospel is so personal. Everything about the person of Jesus is personal. And you know, we, we receive Jesus by receiving being found. And even in this season, in every season of our life, how we get into the kingdom, how we get into relationship with Jesus is how we're uh, sustained to go glory to glory in the kingdom. So being found by Jesus isn't a one-time event. It's a lifetime of intimacy because mothers and fathers look for the ones they love not just the day they're born, but every single day for the rest of their life. And Jesus is showing us, um, I don't see sinners that I'm disconnected from. I don't see people that I've put in a category. Um, I see my intimate ones. I see the ones I long to have in my space. And you know, when we feel lost in the wilderness, however we got there, in whatever season of life we find ourselves in. What the greatest gift the wilderness gives us is that we discover we are the joy of Jesus. And sometimes it's our poor choices that leave us feeling lost in the wilderness. Sometimes um, it's bizarre experiences and circumstances like we find ourselves in this hour of history, leaving us feeling lost in what used to feel very com comfortable and familiar. And now we're having all these new experiences that can leave us feeling lost. And the greatest gift we can find in those places of feeling lost in the wilderness is a king who leaves the hundred to come and find us. And what we discover is we are his joy. And when we run out of joy, the greatest gift we find is that he has joy in me. And I can step into his delight that he actually didn't punish the lamb. He didn't, he didn't give a five-point plan how to never lose uh, track of the flock ever again. He didn't lay out a flow chart. Um, he didn't give any, any type of correction. He lifted the lamb up and placed it on his shoulders and started rejoicing and actually threw a party. 
that you, you are not ashamed to Jesus. And the religious people of that day um, wanted sinners to, to be ashamed. And Jesus said, I want to call a party. I want everyone to see and to celebrate. This lamb was lost and now it's found. And the second parable Jesus gives is a woman who lost her coin. She had 10 valuable coins. And um, when she lost one of them, she swept her entire house, diligently searching every corner of her house for that one lost coin. And when she found, finally found it, she gathered all of her friends and neighbors for a celebration telling them, come and celebrate with me. I had lost my precious silver coin but now I found it. And that's the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him. He says to all of his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for that one was lost and now is found. And so we see him finding another way to say the same thing. Uh, You're not a worthless throwaway. You are my coin. You have value that is unique. If I lose one coin, I don't just shrug my shoulders and walk away. I search diligently until I find you. You have infinite worth to me. And Jesus would leave all of the wealth of heaven to come to earth, to clothe himself in humanity and find one lost coin at a time. And again, he's saying, and when it's found, there isn't shame, there isn't humiliation, uh, there isn't reprimand, there's celebration that you are the joy of heaven. You are the delight of Jesus. And then the last parable he tells is so familiar. It's one of the most beloved parables in the entire Bible of a father who had two sons. And Um, you know, one of the sons uh, demands his inheritance and goes out and spends it recklessly and uh, ends up coming to himself as he's eating with the pigs. And he finds that he was expecting the father to treat him like a beggar, like he felt like a beggar. He was expecting the father to treat him like a servant. And what he, he found was a father that was looking for him before he was looking for the father. And uh, down in verse 20, it says, so the young son set off for home and from a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. And so, you know, After the son's series of heartbreaking poor choices, he he expected to find shame. And instead, what he found was a father who was running to him, hugging him, kissing him, um, cherishing him, and missing him. And, you know, the father again says, when that son returns home, we don't send him to his room. We call all the neighbors, we call all the family, all the friends, and we say, put a ring on him, put a robe on him, kill the fattened calf, because today is the day to celebrate my son who was lost is home with me. And, you know, the the story goes on that there was a second son in the house. And, you know, that son 
goes out into the field upset, feeling um, disappointed, and I'm sure a whole slew of emotions that we can all empathize with, that he felt like he got less because his brother got more. And, you know, the father found his wayward son out on the street coming home. And, and that same father found his disappointed son out in the field. And this is a father who finds us no matter where we are, no matter what we're stuck in, that he doesn't leave us in the shame of our poor choices. He doesn't leave us in the shame of our sin. He welcomes us in. And you know, his response to his son is, you have always been with me and everything I have is yours. And so what Jesus is showing us in all three of these parables, in a field with a hundred sheep, in a house with 10 other valuable coins, in, in the father's house with another son, you have unique room inside of me. No one can replace you. 99 other sheep cannot replace the worth of you. Nine other coins cannot replace the worth of you. Another beautiful son who's worth a party cannot replace you. You have unique space in the Father's house. And Jesus paid an extraordinary price that you would know the language of a son because the language of a son is the language of the Father that I love you because you're mine. And you know, as parents, as the heart of a mother, we know in a crowd of 10 million, for the rest of our lives, the faces of our children will always stand out as the most unique. I see you, I walk into the room and I'm looking for where's the one who belongs to me. And you know, the religious spirit wants, to th wants you to think, God looks for you because he values what you carry. He values how clean you are. He values what you're doing with your life. But the language of a son is the father looks for you because you belong to him. And you know, when my girls are gonna do something extraordinary, you know, they, uh, this last year they were in plays at their school and they just take our breath away in the gifts that rest on their life. And we think they're astonishing and beautiful. But that's not what causes us to show up and celebrate them, to show up and throw a party in their honor. We don't go buy flowers before the show and Justin and I are like, hey babe, let's just decide who we give these flowers to after the performance is over. Let, let's decide whoever's the best, we're gonna bring them home and treat them like a daughter. No, we show up with intention, looking for the one that belongs to me. And that is the nature of the father in the language of a son, that I know I belong to you. And you know, we can only give away what we have received. And there is a lost, hurting, broken world 
that needs to see a God who is looking for them, that needs to hear the language of love, which is the language of a father to a son, a son to a father. And, you know, we, we are passionate around here about leaving our mark on human history that echoes into eternity. And the only thing the Bible says that will remain is, is the things done in love that we could literally in this hour where there's so much need, we could give everything we own away. But if it was not done in love, and and God is love, so it's not this abstract attribute that we try to grab a hold of with with our hands. It is a person we receive. It is a God we receive finding us. And the only way we can give that away to the world around us, if we first possess it on our insides, we can only speak the language of a son if we've learned how to live like a son. We know what it feels like to be a son. And you know, we're called to disciple nations. And the first thing we have to do in order to disciple nations is to be a disciple ourselves. And, you know, in Mark 3, I just want to end with this. Jesus calls his disciples to himself. And it says in Mark 3, verse 13, it says, Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to himself the men he wanted to be his close companions. So they went up the mountainside to join him. And he appointed the 12 whom he named apostles. He wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends. And so that he could send them out to preach and have authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. And so, you know, why does Jesus find you? Why does the Father find you? And it's laid out so clearly right here. Jesus called his disciples because he wanted companions, not just any companions. He wanted close companions. He wanted friends. He wanted them to be continually by his side. Let's be honest. He didn't need their help. The father doesn't have sons and daughters because he needs their help. He created everything with one word. He he could have come to earth and accomplished his mission all on his own. He didn't need help. He didn't need servants. He wanted friends. He wanted close companions. He wanted sons and daughters. And if we believe there is a motive in the heart of Jesus with his love, well, he loves me because, he'll heal me because, he'll deliver me because, uh, anything except for he loves you and he belongs to you. If we believe there is a motive in his love towards us, we will love the people around us with a motive, with an agenda other than love. And so I just wanted to encourage us this morning. He loves you because you belong to him. He loves you because he wanted you. And, you know, it says he called them to his side so that he could send them out to preach and cast out demons and heal the sick. And, you know, people who carry out the mission of bringing heaven to earth 
from our place of companionship with Jesus preach a way different message than, than people who are not living from intimacy. And so the most important part of being a disciple of Jesus is first receiving who he is, receiving him. And you know, I always tell our students, the most important person you lead is yourself. And we, we lead ourselves in following Jesus so that we're going in a direction that's worth following. <laughs> and so mothers, I just honor you today in the way that you manifest the nature of the Father in, in finding the ones that we love and seeing the ones that we love. And I even just wanna honor the mothers who are in the process of longing for your sons and daughters because you're already beginning the story of your children. I tell my girls all the time, I dreamed of you when I was three. I, I dedicated the whole of my childhood to a pretend baby because of the dream of someday growing up and being a mom. And so I, I honor the mother's heart that is already beating within you, the story of your children, even though they don't exist yet on the earth, they already exist in your longing because in your longing, you are manifesting the nature of a father who longed for us before the foundation of the world. And so we, we partner with you in that longing. And I just release a blessing over every mother this morning that our first place of identity would be, I am the one who who the Father found. I am the one who Jesus found, and he found me so he could celebrate, so he could put me on his shoulders and throw a party, not for what I could do for him, but because I'm here, because I exist in his space. And I just, I just bless you in this day to first receive it for yourself, that you are the one that Jesus looked for and found. I love you guys. I bless your day. I bless your week um, to receive from the person of Jesus in a way that's abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever ask, dream, or think so that what comes out of us on the earth is abundantly above whatever we could ask, dream, or think or do within ourselves, but it's truly the love of God flowing and pouring out all over us to a hungry, thirsty world that's longing to be found. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.